Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 163 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening, nine days after our last episode. A lot has happened. Really, a lot has happened over the last nine days. Join me to, I guess, catch up on all of that fun stuff and not so fun stuff is the great Eric Cole. Hey, man. Hey, man. What's going on? You've uh, you've been out of town and you've missed some uh, pretty uh, some pretty brutal baseball <laughs> um, with a, some, a couple notable exceptions, but... Yeah, uh, it was interesting. I, I caught I caught parts of the stuff, but I was traveling over the weekend. Kind of kind of funny. You know, last weekend I had to travel, which is why we recorded early on Friday. We flipped the podcast around. I traveled, and then I ended up sort of catching the madness on Saturday and Sunday, but not um, as plugged in as I was going to be. Then I was home during the week when the Braves were lighting lighting themselves on fire, pretty much. And then I went out of town again, and uh, it didn't go great early, but then today's game, Sunday's game, ended very well. So sort of uh, kind of funny, like the bookends were really good. You know, last Saturday, the day after we recorded, was like an all-time comeback win, down 7 nothing in the second inning, and you come back and win the second game of a doubleheader on Saturday, and then you play well on Sunday, it goes in a tank, and then the, the other bookend, which was today, ended well. So if you, just want, if you wanted to focus on that, It'd be pretty positive, and I, I did make the joke earlier that um, the mood will be better on the pod today because of the game on Sunday. Because if we had recorded last night, it would have been pretty dire. Yeah, I mean it's it's funny, right? Because really, it's one aspect of this team that seems to continually bite bite it, and that's the bullpen. Because there's a lot of things about this team to like a lot. There's the, some of the young stars, whether it be Max Fried or Mike Soroka. You know, those guys have been have been playing well. The the lineup's been playing, you know, with like one notable exception and a couple other guys maybe getting a little bit unlucky here and there. Like the lineup's been really good. It's just been this bullpen and they just consistently have been failing to varying degrees. And it's really kind of it's the worst feeling because like there's you can see how many wins they've left on the table 
just because, you know, the bullpen just couldn't get a few outs. You know what I mean? And they just they couldn't it didn't even have to be like a particularly clean relief appearance. You know, they could have given up a run or two and they would have still won some of these games. But like these total implosions where like all of a sudden the Braves just lost games that they had well in hand. It's been pretty frustrating. Yeah, I mean, that's the overarching thing of the entire week plus and the whole season to this point. We, we all kind of know it. You know, Braves fans have been very vocal, and we've talked about it a lot on this pod, and we'll do it again today. Just, you know, it's not it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the bullpen has been the weakness to this point. Like, let's not breaking news to anybody. Um, the degree of which it's been bad has been a little bit jarring. You know, even though we pointed out on this pod over the, over the winter that the bullpen was a point of concern because they didn't really add to it at all, um, even then, even with all of those caveats that we threw out before the season started, no one thought it was going to be as bad as it's been so far. So with no. that said, I mean, it's it's probably going to improve uh, just because it can't I, – I, I, let, let me stop myself. It can get worse, I suppose. It isn't likely to get worse. Even with the same talent, I think the Braves, you know, the bullpen is a problem. But even with the same guys with no improvements um, in terms of uh, talent, I think the bullpen is better than it's been so far. That's not a huge praise. But it's not good, and we kind of can all agree on that, I think. So, like, I mean, especially if you um, – the numbers look a little bit better because of the uh, the really, really dominant Tukey, quote-unquote, bullpen performance. Remember that? It was like a 6-7 inning gem yeah, out of the bullpen. Be, yeah, because uh, Nukem had to – because Nukem couldn't make it out of, like, the second inning or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you remove that, it gets even uglier. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's not great. I mean, I think you told me this before we started recording about how bad the numbers look coming into the day. You know, the, the numbers have not updated in terms of the uh, all the leaderboards just yet. Factoring in today's game, the bullpen was a little bit better today, which allowed the Braves to have the comeback win. But before that, they were, you know, a bottom five bullpen in the league, and no one's surprised by that. So, um you know, that's sort of the backdrop. We'll talk about individual stuff as we go here. We'll kind of kind of chronicle the week start to finish. Let's start on a positive note. I referenced it before, but the last Saturday's comeback, 7 nothing win. You know, Dansby bombs to make it interesting against 7-3, to and then the five-run ninth inning that includes a bases little walk by Freddie Freeman and then a uh, Ronald Acuna, fittingly, with a two-run double to win the game. Um, and then A.J. Minter actually looked good in that game. He did not look good. Uh, other places this week, but uh, that was fun. So we should we should at least outline that it's been a while, and um, I know that was I guess it feels like a, like, like a lifetime ago. But that you know I noted this, and people did that. It felt like a turning point of the season. It actually didn't end up being that, considering the way they play the rest of the week. But it's worth talking about how crazy and awesome that game actually was. Yeah, it was kind of wild. You know, it just seemed like a lot of people wrote off that game. <laughs> I think it was like you know the the running joke on Twitter is like, okay, well, time to go to bed, et cetera, et cetera. And they just kept, you know, getting a run here, a run there, and then all of a sudden they just get five runs in that last inning, and all of a sudden the game's over. And you know, talking about Ronald Acuna just in particular, you know, Freddie's kind of, kind of has been that consistently excellent that he usually is. Ronnie has been, you know, like up over a thousand OPS for what last seventeen games, I think something I saw earlier, and. It feels like he still hasn't like fully hit his stride, and I'm not really sure how I feel about that because if you got that kind of production out of anybody for any particular, maybe you know he's not like mashing home runs at some crazy rate right now, and we've seen him do that before. You know, it's a lot of singles. He draws a lot of walks because there's a you know he's just. It seems like every at bat he's in, you know, is a really competitive one. It just it makes me feel really good going forward that we're seeing like top level production out of him and it doesn't even feel like he's reaching his ceiling yet. Yeah, I mean, Acuña is a good example of that, but you know, the entire lineup 
we can just talk about this now for a second. The lineup itself has been quite good, and the offense has been, been quite good. You know, Coming into today, a game that the Braves scored eight runs in, they were a, uh, a top-five unit in the entire major leagues in terms of, of position player war, and you know, they were top, I think, top seven in WRC+. Plus. Like, this is a very good lineup so far. They're, as you mentioned, I think at the top of the spot, there's been one, one notable exception that we'll come back to. But if you look at the numbers, even the guys who have had underwhelming moments, like Ozzie Albies, a couple days ago, his numbers didn't look great. Now, with a really good game today, his OPS is up like to like 830. Like, he's now looking very good again. Josh Donaldson came alive, is now famously about a 900 OPS guy. Freddie Freeman's Freddie Freeman. Ronald Acuna has been really good, as you as you referenced. Nick Markakis has been very good to this point in the season. Um, you know, with the exception of you know, sort of Johan Camargo in limited sample and 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 Nerinciarte, it's pretty much been everybody else has been great. You know, Dansby's kind of cooled off a little bit, but he's still been really good for the whole season, like an 850 OPS. And if he's that guy, look out. Tyler Flowers has been quietly awesome to this point. Like it's not. It's frustrating because the Braves are only 13 and 14, but if you want to be positive, and there's room for that, um, the offense and the position players as a whole, they've been really good. I mean, that doesn't even factor Charlie, Charlie Culberson, who's been lights out off the bench. Like, it's been, there's been bright spot after bright spot, and uh, it's probably going to not continue at th- quite this level because I'm not sure this is a true talent, you know, top three offense in the, in the major leagues, but um, you could still celebrate the fact that it's been quite good so far. Well, you say that, right? But. So here's the thing: if we uh, like, we assume that Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna are just going to be among the better this. hitters in the National League. Yeah, <laughs> yes. they're they're going to be roughly this, right? You know, maybe a little bit up and down. You know, you know, Freddie had had stretch where he didn't really hit for a ton of power, but he was still kind of like walking and getting singles here and there. And now he's been hitting some home runs. Yeah, he has a 450 OBP for the season. He's really good at baseball. Yeah, he's just he's insane. And like Ronnie, same thing. If you assume that. And then you assume that Josh Donaldson still hasn't hit his stride yet, which, I mean, he's starting to get there. He had a, the Volte home run game earlier in the week, and then he had a home run today that you know ended up clinching the win for the Braves. And you could see his batting average not be in the 250s and 260s and maybe be close to like maybe closer to a 280 hitter with like more consistent production. And you take into the fact that Dansby Swanson, I just want to talk about him a little bit because peripherals aside – because all those look pretty good, right? Like you see a lower BABIP and you wonder maybe he's been getting a bit unlucky. You see the walk rate going up and you see all that other stuff. All that stuff is true. You know, ISO is better. Hard hit percentage is better. All that stuff is better. Just in general, just based on the eye test, he seems so unlucky. He hits these balls on the nose and he seems to hit them right at guys and they're in big moments. And it's – I could see him – like what we see right now, what's like a, a 117 WRC plus out of him right now. I could see that being better, at least for stretches. I mean, it's it's Dansby, and you know you have to kind of take a lot of this with a grain of salt just because of his track record. But he he looks so much better at the plate, and you know working these, you know working these deep counts. It doesn't seem like he's getting fooled by those outside pitches anymore. I honestly think that he has a chance to really do some real damage this year. And if you think that's true, like this might just be a top five offense in the league. And that's kind of wild for me to even consider. But if you have two guys in Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna who are legitimate MVP candidates, Josh Donaldson, who's been one before, and you know if he goes on a tear, he could just be another one again. If you have three guys like that in your lineup, plus contributions top to bottom, it's really not that crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, the, the, swing, the swing guys, I think we could probably agree on this, the swing guys as to how good this offense is going to be, the guys are Albies, Marcakis and Swanson. 
if Marcakis okay. is this guy, the, the guy he was in the first two minute, uh, two months of last season, and the guy he's been so far this year, that really helps. Albies is, you know, the highest upside of these three players, in my opinion, offensively, and he's now turning it on a little bit. And then Swanson, your point about him is a good one. Like, his baseball savant numbers, like his hard hit rate, his exit velocity, they're all off the charts good. Like, he's just smashing the ball. Um, and for me, you know, I think we've been a little bit higher on Dansby on this podcast than most people. Um, with that said, you know, I need to see a little bit more to believe this is 100% real, but the numbers and the peripherals even look really good. So if he's just this guy now, even if he cools off a little bit in terms of the overall OPS numbers, all that stuff, he's an awesome baseball player. So those three, he's been those great three things defensively. Yeah, he's and that's like that seems safe now. I think he's just he's just very good defensively. That's just him and Albies. Those guys, the defense is in general is really good. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. the infield. Donaldson, you know, isn't quite the guy he used to be, but he's not he's not a uh, he's not a problem at third base. You have Swanson who's awesome. Albies is awesome. Freddie is very solid. Um, no problems there. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right in that the offense could be better than we envisioned it if everything aligns. I, I need to see more from the guys I just mentioned. Like, I have a hard time believing that everyone is going to hit like this. You know what I mean? Like, it's not it's sure. not impossible because if you go if you go player by player, you know, Albie's doing this is not a, not a huge surprise. Marquez, I think, is a little bit over his head, but he's been a good hitter for a long time. Like, he's not a huge minus as an offensive player. There's no question about that. Like, he's um, a better than average hitter as a general rule. Even if you have his, you know, he has flaws, but getting on base is not a problem. And if he hits for some power, which he's been doing so far, that's a huge plus. And then Swanson, you know, I don't, we haven't seen it, but the numbers and the underlying stuff tells you that this is real. So if you go player by player, there are no flukes here. And that's that's the cool part about the offense right now is that the guys who are supposed to be good are are, are good. And then the guys who we had a little bit more question about are also good so far. The, again, there's only one guy who's not playing well offensively, and honestly, coming into the year, the two guys you would have said were the biggest question marks were Swanson and Enciarte. Um, you kind of have to take one out of two there, honestly. Like, Enciarte is a better hitter than he's been so far this year. Like, it's it's well documented that he's not the greatest offensive player in the world, but he's better than a 652 um, OPS guy, generally, I think, still. With that said, like you kind of have to be okay with Swanson hitting the way he is if that means on CRT. Like you, you'll take one out of two there, especially when combined with everything else. So, you know, big picture, the offense has been a full blown strength, which I would not have projected. It was definitely in the realm of possibility coming into the year, but it's been better than anyone could have rationally projected. I think. I mean, I completely agree, and I mean, and a big a big part of that has been the like the catcher platoon's been pretty good, has been good. I mean, you you kind of mentioned it before. Flowers has been really hitting really well, um, and McCann's been fine. You know, he they've been splitting those duties reasonably well. It was kind of a little bit scary for a little while there when like both those guys got dinged up, and you had to kind of rely on Alex Jackson for a couple starts. But I think you know, Flowers it, has the highest OPS on the team right now, which is. Not going to continue, I wouldn't imagine, but uh, no. well, he's really good at baseball. But... Like Tyler Flowers remains perennially underrated. He's very good. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's things about his game. You know, controlling the running game, not his strength, but you know, as but one of the better framers in the league. And right now, he's really hitting the ball well. And <laughs> funnily enough, uh, I was going to take my uh, my kids to the game on Friday night, and uh, it was you know the Ronald Cooney bobblehead night. 
and all that. But my, uh, I had some family issues come up where I mean, a family member of my family had to have emergency surgery. So I couldn't be away from that for too long. Uh, but you know, we really wanted to get the bobbleheads. So I was swung up there to, you know, go get the bobbleheads, walk the kids around, let them look around the park, but we couldn't stay for the game. So we left, which continued my daughter's streak of giving, of touching any game that Tyler flowers starts in. And he rakes. I, I don't think that she, <laughs> she, she, he's been, I think she's been to five games now and four of them Tyler Flowers played in and he's homered in all of them at least once. And that was his two home run game uh, on Friday. So uh, I, I guess the, the, the moral of the story is I just need to take her to games more often just because, you know, if for no other reason to kind of, you know, give the offense a bit of a boost, uh, even though that game didn't go particularly well overall. Um, maybe, maybe they lost because she wasn't there. I don't know. But the, the offense has been really good. I actually wanted to talk to a little bit about the Ender because he's been interesting in that we uh, we agree that he is not the player this, that he is right now. He's not this bad. No, he's not a 230 hitter. And defensively, he hasn't looked that great either. Plays he normally makes, he hasn't been making. When do we start considering the uh, – We've we've long maintained. I mean, like this is year. This is a couple of seasons in the making now that he's not a leadoff hitter. He's just not. If you're going to bat him eighth, then you know, and he's ends up and he's the guy that he has been, then you know, so be it. But he's not a leadoff hitter. When do you start getting worried about having him in the lineup altogether? Because I mean, having two spots at the bottom of the lineup where like you get basically no production becomes a problem. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. They've been pretty open about platooning him against lefties this season you know it hasn't been every single time but you know that's that's the right approach at a bare minimum I think at this point because you know Enciarte has never hit lefties well like there's been small periods where he has but you know, over a full season wise like he's not a good hitter against left-handed pitching even if you're a huge pro Enciarte offensive guy you could acknowledge that his platoon split is real. It's not like incredibly swift in the way that some guys are, but against lefties, he he probably shouldn't be in the lineup if everybody's healthy, especially when you have someone like Johan Camargo available to play. Um, so if you put that on the table, I, I think there's an argument for Enciarte to play and to not play. You know, off, defensively, even with what you're saying, I think is true that he hasn't been quite himself. He's still a very good defensive outfielder. And if you put him on the field with Acuna in a corner, you're very, very good defensively. And, you know, if you're if you're hitting him eighth or ninth or whatever Sticker wants to get crazy and do, it's I think in general you're probably still better um, just because of his defense. And I think, again, he's a better hitter than he's been so far. But, you know, if, if it was a one-game sample to, you know, for my life right now, would he be in the lineup? I don't think he would be. I think I think you would probably play Camargo in the corner spot. And maybe, I mean, honestly, here's part of the problem as well. You know, Matt Joyce is a pinch hitter on this team for the most part, but Matt Joyce is a lot better hitter against right-handed pitching than in the inner NCRT is. So it's interesting. Like, I think if I had to put out a lineup right now, it would, for, you know, one game sample for my life, regardless of who is pitching for the opposition, it, it would definitely include Camargo and it would not include Enciarte. So here's the reason why I ask is like, I agree. I agree that I would probably agree with you that Ender would not be in my ideal lineup right now. One game playoff for your season. You know, I don't think he would be in it. 
and you still but, and by the way he would he would he would still end up playing at the end like his defense is super valuable but yeah. over the course of the first six seven innings the gap between him and Camargo at the plate is big enough where I think you have to go with Camargo with a gun to my head but you know and I'm gonna let you finish but that does take away some of the utility that we screamed for for a year about Camargo and that's why I'd, I if they had another if they had one more, one more guy I would be more pro to not playing Ender every day or close to every day but with Camargo in his super utility role that he should be in that doesn't allow you to just pull Ender out of the lineup I think they're, they're doing it well right now and having a play against righties and not lefties and that's probably what I would continue to do and Unless he just unless he's still this like if if we get to June July and he still has a 600 OPS or something like that in the low 600s, that becomes more of an issue. Um, but you know, well documented that he's been someone who's had some you know first half second half weirdest in the past. Like he's more of a feel guy, and we'll see how that looks. But I, you know, there's no perfect answer other than the fact that he is better than this, and it isn't as if the Braves have the super obvious solution to just like flat out bench him i've seen i've seen that solution quite a bit uh, put out there on twitter recently probably just frustration on some people and i get where it comes from but you know i still want camargo in that do it all role that he's been in which means that you have to play in your ntrte sometimes it's just what it is so here's my thing right I, I completely agree with everything you just said because, again, we've talked about being – we were hoping Camargo could be this guy. And having that kind of guy on your team makes your roster deeper, gives your guys chances to give get other guys rest. All that is good. My question to you right now is that Uh-oh. right now Adam Duvall has an OPS over 1,000 at AAA. Seven home runs, home runs in four straight games, including a multi-home run effort. If you have Adam Duvall, who's – a legitimately good fielder in a corner, particularly left. And you have Camargo that you can slot in to play matchups over there if you need to. Is this roster better right now with Ender on it playing the role that he's playing right now? Whether or not you platoon him, I mean, if you platoon him, that's, they've been doing that somewhat, and that seems reasonable. Or is the roster better right now where you move on from Ender and CRT? Let's say you like trade him to you know the Giants who seemingly are shopping around for an, a veteran outfielder. Maybe you get relievers from them. Uh, they've been shopping their veteran relievers around. Seems like there's a swap that could be made there. I'm not saying it'll be made like you know this month or even relatively soon because early season trades are always tricky. Is this roster better right now with Ender in his current role, or is it better with potentially a, an Adam Duvall who actually has remembered how to hit again and maybe seeing regular playing time in left and going Duvall, Acuna, Marquecas, and then you know again playing Camargo there in spot starts when in spots versus what it is now. So basically, the question is, do you trade in Arte? I mean, yeah. Because we agree he has value. That, yeah, that, like, I mean, he has I, I real think value. That, I, I think he has value. I think you'd be selling low, which is not optimal. I don't think he, you know, if you had traded him a, a while ago, he, you would have gotten a lot more. You're talking about in-season. Um as much as I, I think I'm pro Adam Duvall versus the consensus. I, I don't trust Adam Duvall, um, and there's just no reason to flat out trust Adam Duvall. Uh, so it just depends on what you can get more than anything else, which is it's sort of a cop out answer because uh, I, I think because you have Camargo and you have Joyce, who mashes righties, he always has, um, and then theoretically, if you were to trade 
Camargo, you could get, you'd have Duvall up there as well. You have some platoon options. None of them are great. And there's, those guys are actually, I mean, it's just, it's very interesting. Big, and this because, always stems from the fact that you have a, that you have Ronald Acuna. That that's right. where it comes from. That you have this guy who should be playing center field, um, who is you know an all time f- talent. Um, and you know, I, in an ideal world, yeah, you would hand Ronald the center field job. I, I think though you probably needed to do that in the off season, <laughs> which we I think we talked about at one point, like not in a serious serious way about trading in Ciarte, but right. You probably needed to do that in the offseason. Like maybe if a deal falls in your lap that makes perfect sense and you have an, a contender or a pseudo contender that thinks they need that they're an in Ciarte away and they want to give you some pitching, sure. But you know, realistically in season, I don't think you're gonna get enough to where it makes sense. And I think Ciarte does still have value. So long way, long story short, I would venture to guess that you'd be better off holding on to him right now. Although I would not be uh, firmly held to that if you put a deal on the table that I thought was good value for him because, you know, that's kind of the X factor is what you're getting. And we obviously have no way of knowing that. <laughs> yeah. And I guess it's the tricky part. Cause we talked about, this is like, you know, what happens if you know, we, we talked about this, like if Adam Duvall was, would have raked in spring, we talked, you know, if he's good, you know, what do the Braves do with him? Because, you know, obviously he was really bad last year, but now he's down at triple a and he's, I mean, he's in the discussion as like one of the better hitters in the International League right now. And if that's the case, you have this guy down there and you have a center fielder who's struggling right now and has a limited offensive profile, even at his best. What do you do in that situation? I mean, do you just let this guy that you traded real assets for and that you kind of wanted to have a like he's on the 40 man and he he's a guy that or and he's a guy that you want to potentially gets extract some value out, out of and he has you know he has like real power and he has some defensive ability you're not necessarily having a huge drop off defensively if you have you know Duval and left and Acuña in center you no know, i mean uh, I, I think Duval is interesting i mean if he didn't have the disaster of last season right that's that, I that, think that, that, that we we were very high on Duval and i think rightfully so like his track record is interesting in that it's not a batting average driven thing but if you look beyond that the power and the defense combination that he had before he fall off a cliff was really intriguing. And if you compare that to, I mean, I know we talked about the fact that Ender is better than his number so far, but if you look, if you look, if you look at the way that he has hit like his ex of like his, his, his more advanced numbers are like disastrously terrible. Yeah. Like he's in the very, very bottom of the league and exit velocity at hard hit rate. You know, all the numbers that you would look at for peripherals to talk about his batted ball data, they're all terrible. And he's so, one of the slowest guys on the team too. And he has a game that, it's predicated on like being able to use his quote unquote speed to make some, to do some things when in reality, it's just a willingness to run. I mean, Marcakis is a mile an hour faster than him on average sprint speed, which is insane. And that just shouldn't happen. So, but I mean, I don't want to get too bogged down in that, but there is at least a chance that Ender is just bad at the plate now. Like he's never been great at the plate. Even, you know, I know the, the 200 hit season is the one everybody points to, but even in that year, he was just slightly above the league average as an overall hitter. He's been a approximately league average hitter for his entire time with the Braves. Um, obviously, give or take a few percentage points in either direction. It's it's possible that he is just a bad hitter now. I'm he not, has he has looked a bit better lately. Yeah, that, I'm not that, saying that's, that's true. I'm just saying that that is not completely unreasonable to think. I just you know on both sides, I do this looking for positive stuff and negative stuff. For I try to do it for everybody on the team. 
I'm a sample size guy. I need to see, you know, I, I would need to see more of him being this bad before I believed it. It's the same thing as me talking about Dansby's offense. I'm intrigued by it. Everything is good. Um, I need to see more of him before I just fully believe that he's this kind of hitter. It's just what it's just, I'm, that's just my default. I think people that listen to the podcast know that, but, um, you know, yeah. I mean, if, if, if you do the same thing for Adam Duvall though, Adam Duvall, I would imagine is a better player than the one we saw last year that we were excited about that ended up flopping, um, in a major way. So right. there's not a perfect answer. I, I do think though, there is at least an element and for me of you waited too long on Arte to the point now where I don't think you get much for him in the middle of the season. I could be wrong, um, but I, I'm not sure that the value is going to be there for a deal that, especially when you don't have a perfect corner outfield option. I know Adam Duvall is in the wings and you still have Matt Joyce, but that's not, and you have, and you have Camargo, but you're not doing this to call up one of your Another guys Ronald to play every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not, you're not calling up, you know, Drew Waters to play every day. Or Austin Riley and putting him in the quarter, like that's not why you're doing this. You're doing this oh, to those like, guys put, been so good though. But you know what I mean, though. You're, you're not you're not doing this to like <laughs> yeah. Plat- you you be doing it to platoon Adam Duvall and and Matt, and Matt Joyce with Simeon Camargo. That's not as sexy as you know. It just doesn't. I get the thinking the, behind it, but yeah. I don't think it's like as practical as people want to say that it is in terms of just actual things that are going to happen. Yeah, and hopefully, Ender, you know, he t- turns around. I mean, again, I I don't see him as a particularly great hitter, but if his with his defense, which is what should be good, and that's, I guess, my concern is right now is that not only has he not been hitting particularly well, but, like, defensively he hasn't been great. And I don't really – And he needs, and he needs to be because, I mean, that's, that's the baseline that we've all pointed to a million times that when, he, when, he was an, when he's an elite defender in center field, that just brings incredible value. If he's that guy, yeah. if he's that defender, then there's no discussion about this, frankly, because there's just so much value in that. Right. But if he's – a step or two off that, and I'm not going to say that he is, but to this point in this season, all of the metrics that we have available to us tell us that he's not been quite as good. If that is real, then you're in some trouble with NCRT because he needs to be that kind of defender to be, to be a starter on a contending team. That's just kind of the reality because his bat's not going to do it. I mean, even if he gets hot, and I think he'll have a hot stretch when he hits like he's hit before, but that makes him you know, probably a slightly below average hitter over a full season. And that kind of guy is not someone you want starting for you every single day of a, on a contending team. So he's going to have to play defense to make up for that. And he always has, he just hasn't so far this year. I, I can get behind that. It's just kind of, it was an interesting thought I had once I realized this, I mean, like, cause I mean, Duvall's raking. So it's just kind of an interesting sort of like, what do you do with this guy that you, you, you invested real resources in last year at the trade deadline to get him. And now he's hitting really well, and it's kind of you just let him languish down there. I mean, does he turn into like another pinch hitter? Pinch hitter. I mean, what do you do with him? So it was just something interesting that I was thinking, thinking about. Yeah, it's worth talking about. We probably spent too much time on because it's yes, what you and I do. But um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, it's interesting and it's something to keep and come back to because. And I'm looking forward to him having a week where he hits like 500 right now because that's what happens when we talk about this kind of stuff. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I'll be happy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bra- but, brace yourself. Enter NCRT. NL starting all center fielder from the All Star game. It's going to happen now. That's yeah. one of the funny things is people, I think there's a segment that thinks that we root for we root to be right. Um, that's not really true, uh, especially when it comes to rooting to be right on negative stuff. I want them to just do well. Yeah, <laughs> like if Ender yeah, comes I mean, out hits 500, I'll, I'll be happy about that. I'll look I'll look stupid and I'll be thrilled. So that's just what it is. Um, okay, let's talk about the pitching again for a minute. I know this is sort of a, a landmine area because of how bad the bullpen has been. Um, but just let's start with starters real fast about what happened this week. Um, 
Mike Soroka has not um, since he since he came back. We have not talked about him. You and I in this form. Yes. Um, he is now back in a big way. Max Fried was finally uh, human on Friday. I'm not worried about Max Fried because he's been awesome, but he was not incredible. Yeah, he, yeah, he did. He just got got by two of the better hitters in the National League. Unfortunately, in Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado, is just what happened there. Just, yeah, you know. I mean he's uh, he's still good. Don't worry. Um, yeah. And then Fulty came back on Saturday after a couple of ugly rehab outings, and he was just so-so, and Kevin Gosman's now had back-to-back, let's just say, uh, shaky outings. Yeah, shaky's fair. So uh, all, all that all that put together, um, you know, the starting rotation was looked like more of a strength a few days ago, and again, it's all sample size theater here, but where are you at on the starters? I know having Soroka back really helps things, but, you know, until we see Fulty be good, that let's just say that that would really help because Fulty being good would be really uh, nice um, stability. And to this point, he had two bad rehab outings, and he was not very good on Saturday. So I don't know. I guess the question is, where are you at on the whole starting rotation right now, knowing the bullpen is uh, coming in a few minutes? So I actually like I thought Fulty looked fine. Uh, he gave up a couple home runs, which is like never ideal, but at the same time, like you know, you saw good action on his pitches. It didn't, nothing was like a big red flag. You know, only one walk is a big deal. Uh, for a Fulty that we've seen, when Fulty's not good, it's when he doesn't have command at all, and he's you know walking a bunch of guys and then get, runs his bolt, his pitch count up. Didn't really see that, you know, gave up fewer in runs, but not, not nothing about that start beyond just being a bit rusty was concerning for me. Um, you know, obviously Soroka and Freed, uh, the way they've been looking, have looked great. You always have to kind of, you know, with Freed, you know, with his blister issues and kind of little minor injuries that he's, you know, had here and there, you have to just kind of hope he continues it. And, you know, Soroka had a, a shoulder injury this offseason. So you kind of want to, you know, you're until you kind of see him put together a lengthy stretch here, you just kind of want to make sure that he's, you know, going to, going to make it or he doesn't need more time or, you know, anything like that and, or with no setbacks and things like that. But they both look really good. You know, Gaussman and, and Tehran are just kind of, you know that they they feel like four and fives right now, and that's you know Tehran will have starts where he you know looks really good for a few innings, and then you know everything falls apart. Uh, that's just got, that's been the Julio for the last couple of years now. And Gaussman he, he relies on a splitter, and the last couple of starts it just doesn't feel like he can bury it. He can't you know get it to drop low enough where he can get guys to swing and miss at it. He leaves them hanging over the plate, and all of a sudden it's just eighty nine in like the lower part of the zone. And in this day and age, all those hitters have learned how to take, you know, it's not like sink, like, you know, back in, you know, even five or 10 years ago where you, the guys who threw sinkers, they just got all these ground balls. Players know how to drive those pitches low in the zone now. And Gaussman doesn't seem to be missing, you know, missing bats and, you know, he, he'll walk guys and he'll get his strikeouts here and there when the splitter is good. But when it's not, it just doesn't seem like he's, a guy you can really rely on to kind of give your offense a good chance out of the shot, out of the shoot. And that's kind of what we've seen. He just seems like he's just been kind of inconsistent at best. And, you know, it's been really shaky. He'll have good starts. There's no question about that. I think he's too talented to just not be completely useless. But overall, I say that the rotation is, I would say, fine. Uh, I'm not, it's not a huge area of concern for me. It's not something I'm like, I need to see who else can come up and, and do some damage. I'm with Fulty, Freed, and Soroka. Assuming all goes well, I'm fine with that. And honestly, for the Braves' sake, I hope so because what they should have done already, I think, is start, start some of these starting pitching prospects that had either struggled in their major league time or what have you, and try them out in the bullpen. Sean because Newcomb, he, he, down. 
you know, where he can where he can actually you know pitch with some velocity. You know, same thing with maybe a, trying out Tukey there. He looked good in relief appearances in the past. Uh, even a guy like Kyle Wright, who just seemingly cannot do do well for himself uh, down in AAA, he's like ERA is over eleven now down there. You know, see if you can see if you can get them going, doing something else. With guys with big time stuff. A uh, Bryce Wilson who pitches off his fastball, he might not have those secondary pitches to be a starter. Maybe see what you can get him to do in in the bullpen. All those guys have a chance, at the very least, and I would say better than average chances of being better than a lot of the guys who are currently in this major league bullpen. And I feel like some of that transition should have already happened. Uh, I'm willing to give them some time to kind of figure out who they want to give a shot there, but. Ultimately, you know, once the starting rotation is sort of set, as kind of these are the guys we're going to go with for uh, some extended period of time, then they need to start, you know, figuring out maybe some of these young guys who have, you know, real talent can maybe give them some help in the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, Newcomb's the guy we've talked about a couple times recently. Yep. He's the obvious one, in my opinion, and uh, we'll see if they do that in the near future. But, you know, to your point about this, the overall rotation, it's something we kind of talked about in the offseason. Like, we weren't necessarily enthused about the rotation being incredible, but it wasn't going to be a weakness either, in our opinion, and I think that's kind of bearing out now. Like, it's kind of just average, and that's okay. The problem is that you can't pair that with a terrible bullpen, because then you have problems. Um, You can't get away with this starting rotation if you have an awful bullpen, Um, and that's the problem. So, I mean... Everything that you that we've seen so far from Soroka and Freed has been overwhelmingly positive. Fulte has been good enough in the past where he gets the benefit of the doubt for a while longer, and um, you know that that triumvirate is a nice place to start. Um, we can transition to the bullpen now. I mean, we kind of again we kind of all know the deal here. Everyone, not everyone's been bad, but most of the bullpen has been a disaster. You know, Je- Jesse Bill's now been sent down after you know three or four consecutive disaster performances from him did, did, did you see him take that line drive yeah oh i felt bad yeah that that that, that i that's... feel bad for him anyway like honestly this is this is 100 genuine i i felt awful for jesse biddle before that like he had you know the the game where he came out and said this is this is never going to happen again and then he gave it up the next day and like i just feel awful for him honestly because and he's been through a lot like yeah a, and there's been a bunch of injuries he, in the he minor league throw a strike and it's like it's just maddening it's i know it's maddening to watch as a fan i totally get that but like you you it, it was so bad you had to kind of feel for him in some ways and kind of hilariously his era is like 3.2 because it was a lot of runners <laughs> but uh everyone knew how bad he was for a little stretch and now he's down they, they actually went out and got jerry blevins over the weekend um a veteran guy not very exciting but he might be an upgrade. We'll see. He's at least been a very he, solid bullpen arm in the past. He has a couple like one plus war seasons as a reliever fairly recently. Yeah, he's been he's so. been pretty good in, in, in his career. So we'll see. Uh, he's very I think he's like 35, 36. He's not young, but uh he's our lefty. That's that's helpful, especially with the way that Mentor is pitching. So I I mean we we could probably go, you know, player by player. We don't, we don't really have to do that. But let's just say there have been very limited bright spots recently. It's basically praise Lou Jackson. Yeah, I was about to say it's basically Lou Jackson who came in to close on Sunday because Minter tried to give it away, and uh, to Snickers' credit, he went and got him, and it worked. Um, and and this is something that I want to say now because I know we we have crapped on the front office, and I believe rightly so for not dressing the bullpen to this point. Um, they could have done anything about AJ Minter, and Minter has a nine point three five ERA right now. That is not the front office's fault because he was supposed to be the guy. He's yeah, the most the, talented the guy that, pitcher in the bullpen. Like that's not the front office. Like 
pick and choose anybody else you want to, frankly, out of the bullpen. But Minter was always going to be a high leverage guy on this team, and he's been awful, and that's not Anthopolis' fault. Um, everything else, you can point in that direction if you'd like to. But man, Minter being good would be very helpful, and he's been really bad. Yeah, when you have this many guys, I mean, like, and again, Minter, I never would have thought he, I, I thought very highly of him. I thought he'd put in a lot of good work last year. He was a little bit inconsistent with, like, he had some injury stuff too last year. But when you have as many guys in this bullpen that have, have had problems like track records of problems with both walks and being injury prone. And you don't really address it at all during an off season. Like we're not, I'm not talking about signing Kimbrell or signing like an Adam Ottavino, who's the guy that I wanted, but I can understand maybe why you don't want to invest a ton of money in the bullpen to not upgrade at all. Given those circumstances, I mean like Darren O'Day didn't pitch at all for the Braves last year. And Everyone's acting surprised that maybe he wasn't going to be – he wasn't He wasn't <laughs> oh, going to – I mean like the, I, even I was optimistic. I mean, like maybe, hey, O'Day was a good reliever. Maybe it was just a hamstring problem. But we don't, we don't even get updates on O'Day anymore. No. You know what I mean? It's a, there, there's, there doesn't seem to be any expectation that he's going to pitch anytime soon at all. You know, Same thing like Luis Gohara. He's throwing an extended. That's all we know. And then we have other guys who like have had you know injuries, whether they be real or not. I mean with Venters and with Biddle – they were so bad. It feels like they got put on the injured list for like you know having ruptured success glands. Not like yeah, the, because the of middle a, one now, especially. Like everyone made the joke, and I don't want to pile on, but you know, it's hard for me to believe that he's that that was a real injury, given well, the, given know. the track record of Anthopolis in in L.A. as well. Like that was not a situation where anyone believes it. Maybe he's hurt. It's possible he's hurt. But and he did take that line drive, and that's he what did. it was. Listed. <laughs> so it's but the way that it was the way it was also announced, like it was like a hybrid injury. <laughs> It was like, <laughs> yeah, like right thigh contusion, right uh, right groin strain. I think and it was, it was like, like, wait, we're gonna do a double injury here. Like uh, that just means that like it's like, like it's like they wanted to add fuel to the fire for that. It's like, by the way, guys, here's a little wink that uh, we're making this up. Anyway, no, it, it doesn't really matter. It's just, yeah, God bless Luke Jackson, who has not allowed a run that was at least the one that was charged to him since opening day. That's crazy. Um, and he was the guy who was DFA'd multiple times. Like he was supposed to be. Yep the guy who was supposed to be the least reliable and you know credit to him he's been really good so shouts to Luke Jackson but everybody else has had a bad moment or three in the last three weeks or so you know Dan Winkler has decent overall numbers but he's had some bad moments mentor we talked about Sabaka has been kind of a disaster this year after an intriguing start to last season when he came on late who would have um, thought that a guy that had a high walk rate for his entire minor league career except for half a season last year could actually be have walk problems. I mean, it's it's it feels like Mauricio Cabrera all over again. Guy that walked all guys all the time. Then he had one one decent stretch in the major leagues. Everyone thought that he had turned a corner. And then you know, that's that's kind of been my issue with Sabatka. I mean, we I had people tweeting at me all year last year that why we didn't think that Chad Sabat why wasn't Chad Sabatka on our top prospects list? And it was because of track record. You know, he's a guy that like missed time and walked guys all the time. And he had one. And it was look. I'm, I was as hopeful as anybody. The guy, the guy can throw high nineties, and when he's right, he looks great. But then you see him this year, and he's you know he leaves his pitches over the plate, and then when he's not doing that, he's walking guys, and it's just it's pretty rough. It is. I mean, and again, none of this stuff is new. We've had this conversation to varying degrees the last three or four weeks, so it feels like I don't need to say anything else about the bullpen. But you know, things came to a, to a crescendo again this week, you know, and, you know, thank God they won today. If they had blown that lead today, I mean, the that, fan base is already, is already in a bad place. If they blew another one in the ninth with another lead and lost six in a row, like it would have been, 
untenable on uh, on Twitter <laughs> for the next couple of days. Yeah. Uh, at least they won that one. But I mean, it just wasn't. There wasn't a lot of good things in the last few days. You know, Shane Carl's back now. He replaced Biddle on the roster. They went to uh, Bryce Wilson for a minute, and they didn't really use him. And then they sent nope. him back down when Fulte came up. I don't know. Maybe Blevins will help. And again, this is. I'm not known for my optimism necessarily, but even if they do nothing, I think they'll be better than this. That doesn't really it's, tell you much. This this bullpen doesn't have to be lights out. They just have to be reasonable. And, and they, I think well, I mean, and I think they can be. Yes, I think they can be. I I still don't think. You know everything we've said so far applies. It's unbelievable to me still as we sit here in late April that they did nothing in the bullpen. I've said that a hundred times. I'll say it again. I said it before the season. This is not revisionist. We we all said this before the season started. It blew my mind. Um, with that said. I think if they did nothing different, they'd be better than this. Now, better than this is not good enough, probably, because, as we said before, if you combine an average rotation with a strongly below-average bullpen, you're not winning anything. Um, but it's been even worse than we thought it was going to be. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Like no one, no one would have came out and, pro- and projected this this group to be this bad, even even with all of the skepticism that we had. It's been worse than advertised. No, no, like Biddle had moments where he was a little rough last year, but he also had times where he looked really good. He seemed like he was going to be a relatively decent reliever. AJ Minter is another guy that we thought like highly of and that he would be like throwing in high leverage situations, and both of them have been legitimately bad. And that's that's tough combined with, you know, you lose Vizzy to injury, which, you know, we, everyone could have probably predicted. Um, why they guaranteed a contract? Guy guaranteed him a contract when he was, you know, already having to deal with those shoulder issues I, is another thing that at least tr- struggle for me to understand. And you know, O'Day hasn't seen the light of day. Neither has Gohara. It's just, it's, you know, who's a guy who I think would be a good reliever too. Yep. It's, it's kind of given what was in existence. I just, I'm, I'm with you. I just, it doesn't, it didn't have to be for like one of the big name guys. It just. No, no upgrades is hard for me to understand. It's backing on a lot from a, a really four that was really shaky in a lot of ways. They're going to do something. I mean, at some point, you know, I thought we'll give it a interview to Jeff Schultz of the athletic. That wasn't necessarily particularly revealing. You know, that's not their fault of Schultz. That's just how this thing works. And I like Jeff. Um, and is just very guarded. He doesn't really say much. And, you know, I guess credit to, to him for sitting down with somebody and talking, but there wasn't too much to, to to glean from it. It was kind of the same thing over and over again. You know, they know the you know they they reference the market, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's not. Both can be true. The market is not really there right now, and also it's his fault and their fault that they didn't do anything before this. Like that was the that was one of the common excuses that people wanted to give us in March when we pointed out that they hadn't done anything in bullpen was like, well, they, they might just be waiting until the season starts and, uh, Oh, the payroll is lower, but they'll, they'll add in season. I'm like, okay. But if they're below 500 in July, no one's going to care. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a lot of risks there. If you're, if your yep. whole plan is to spend in July and August, well, I guess it's just, I guess it's just July now with the way they moved the deadline. But if, if your whole plan is to, is to spend money in June and July on the trade market, that backfires if you're eight games out. You know, it's kind of it's rough, and I'm, I'm not I'm not projecting that. You know, the Braves are they're still good, in okay I, shape, frankly, which is kind of surprising. Yeah, given think, how bad it's been. But. Yeah, they're only like two and a half games out. You know, like no one in this division. The, the The Phillies have had a little bit of a run lately, 
but like no one in this division is like trying to run away with it immediately. No, they, you know what they've I mean? been fortunate. I mean, they're not they're not in a division with like the Rays who who went crazy at the start of the season. Like they're they're even though projection systems kind of have the Braves in the low 80s right now. Most of the ones that I that I've been tracking, and by the way, I have a thread that every couple of days I tweet out on Twitter with all the uh, there's like five systems that I use. Um, they're all you know low to mid 80s, which isn't going to get is not going to get it done. But it's early enough, and the division is tight enough where you're still fine. There's no reason to panic. But you know, if it's still the case in June, and you haven't done anything to add to your roster, you know the gap's probably going to widen because at some point Philly's going to get hot or Washington's going to get hot, and you're going to be in some trouble if you don't get hot as well. Yeah, I agree, and I mean it's just going to come down to the it's just going to come down to the bullpen because I think that the the rotation has a chance to be relatively decent. Uh, it would take like Max Fried and Mike Soroka to like you know break off like rookie of the year type seasons i know that freed's not eligible and all that stuff but i mean like to be that good you know going deep into games and stuff like that to where like the bullpen isn't as much of an issue because this offense is going to put up runs you know what i mean and if, if it they has get been if, already it's been yeah good. i mean that yeah they've been great and if you know they can get that kind of production where you know those two they have two guys in the rotation that go deep in the games and you can kind of not have the bullpen be as much of a factor in those games then you know perhaps there's you know some more room for growth there, but otherwise it's, you know, it's, it's going to come down to the bullpen improving and that's tough. And, you know, in addition to just not making any changes in the off season, which is almost being a dead horse at this point. And, you know, some people were like, you know, we get it. They didn't add in the bullpen. I'm like, yeah, but here we are. And the Braves are losing games because of it. I also think that, you know, one thing that I think that they really do need to do is they need to start looking at those internal candidates, whether they'll be, you know, a Corbin Klaus who has been looking better uh, after dealing with like a minor injury thing or, you know, giving Jacob Webb some more some more some more time on the mound and see if maybe you can get more out of him. You know, it's opposed to relying on these same guys who continually disappoint. You know, it's it's one of those things where you kind of have to do that, you know, rely take chance on one of those guys or give one of these starting pitching prospects that you have give them a shot especially the ones that are already on the 40-man roster yep there are things that they can do and hopefully they will address it in some form or fashion we will see um i guess briefly we'll look ahead before we let before i let you go man um you know this week was not a success by any rational measure even with the highs that, uh, that arrived and i still which did exist if they listen and as funny as this is because because they lost because they lost several games in a row after this um if the uh, <laughs> that if the 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 win the win last Saturday night, if that even with the lack of success right after it, if they still go on and win ninety games, people will remember that game. That right. was that was how crazy that game was. Um, seven nothing to eight seven is an all timer. Um, but anyway, uh, this week is San Diego at home for four, and then at Miami for three. Uh, pretty manageable. Um, San Diego is improved from previous years in some ways, and you're playing at home. Um, but you know, that's, that's not a bad spot. And then at Miami, Miami's not very good. So, uh, there's, this is a spot that you can make, you can make some, some headway if you play well and uh, we'll see how they look, but your boy Mike Sorok is on the mound Monday. So that, that gives you some positivity. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, but I mean that, that Padres team, they're 16 and 12 right now. I mean, they're right yeah, there. I mean, it's not, it's not a greatest matchup in the world. It's just that you're at home and you're, I think yeah, that, you're still better helps. than them, frankly. Uh, I know their, their record is better. I think the Braves are still better than the Padres, frankly. Yeah, their run, their run differential is still like negative eight. So yeah. like, uh, they've won a lot of close games and that, and that's, and that's fine. But you know, you, I, I like the Braves' chances, especially against the San Diego Padres team that I'm not. Particular, I don't have a much respect for their pitching staff. Uh, and if you don't have a particularly great pitching staff against this lineup, that could that could bode some trouble. Uh, the one thing about this past week that the Braves, the Braves have had to go against some really good pitchers. And 
you know, whether, whether it be the, the, you know, the triumphant that the, the Indians rolled out or, you know, the guys that the Reds are rolling out, those guys, you know, pitch really well. And that kind of makes it a little trickier combined with the bullpen kind of just imploding. But I, I like the Braves' chances in the Padres series. And, you know, I, th- I don't think much of Miami at all. Uh, but, you know, then there's the whole, you know, you're traveling to you have Miami and then you have, you know, the Jose Urania, all that stuff. So that that kind of adds a different sort of wrinkle to the whole. Oh, Lord, that's fr- that's Friday night, which I didn't really uh, put, to- put that together. Um, but yeah, I you mean, know what I'm like it's it's <laughs> to, the Marlo- to your God, point, the Marlo- they're not they're not they're not facing. Uh, Trevor Bauer this week. That's not no, no agenda. Trevor Bauer, no Kluber. Uh, no like Chris Paddock's yeah. had a really good year for San Diego. They, like, and that's it's him and Arena. And that's there's not too much else going on there. So, for the first time in a while, you have you have some definitive Braves advantages in these starting pitching matchups. Yep, and that is helpful, uh, at least on paper. Uh, the only time that you really have what I would quantify as a negative matchup is uh, Julio against Chris Paddock on Tuesday, because Paddock's pretty good and Julio is Julio. Um, but otherwise, the Marlins have a negative thirty-eight run differential through twenty-eight games. They're bad. How is that even, like bad, that, that, that's tough to be that bad. Uh, I mean, but I mean second when worst you, in the league. When you were when you were really really bad last season, and you like almost set out to be worse by trading Real Muto and selling off even more, like you're gonna be awful, and they are. So, but to that to that to that end. You have to beat the Marlins consistently yeah. if you're the Braves. Like I don't want to overstate this as much as possible, but you can't play even with the Marlins. You you need to bludgeon the Marlins because everyone else in the division is going to be tough. I was going to say because they're going to lose everybody, and you have to beat them. That's just it's it might sound simplistic, but if you go out and you know go ten and nine against the Marlins this year, that would not be great. You need you need to go out and beat them fourteen five or something outrageous like that. They're they're that bad, and you need those wins. So agreed. We'll see. All right, man. Well, we've covered a lot of ground on the pod today, I think, um, given, I mean, we could have gone game by game, but that would have taken a long okay. time because there was a lot of stuff that happened this week. Uh, but uh, please plug anything that you would like. I know you were a sort of out of pocket this week and so was I, so not too much going on, but I know we're both on tap to do things this week. So uh, please plug anything that you'd like to. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, first of all, apologies in advance that Road to Atlanta didn't happen this week. Uh, I had some uh, pretty serious family emergency that kind of came up in the middle of the week, which resulted in me just having to be just be around. Um, for those who have been asking, uh, everything is fine now. Uh, everyone seems to be well on the path of recovery, so I appreciate that. Uh, but Road to Atlanta will be back this week. Um, I'm not going to spoil the guest because not everything is set in stone yet. But I've talked it's to a not couple. Me. <laughs> yeah, Brad. Brad's gonna be on the pod. Uh, to talk I have about no prospects. fear. It's not me. I am the. <laughs> I think I'll probably be the last person you ever ask. Like, I think if everyone, it'd be like, um, I'm trying to think of how long you'd have to go without finding a guest before you get to me for Road to Atlanta. It would be a long, long wait. I think, <laughs> which is fine. It's way you shouldn't have me on. It's not. That's not my thing. So yeah, I mean, prospects just aren't prospects in the minor leagues. Aren't isn't you know what exactly you know gets you going? And I totally and I, I, I respect I, it. I enjoy it, but I am not as informed as you guys are, and uh, I wouldn't want to bring the overall uh, level down. So here we are. <laughs> uh, but uh, a couple, a couple high-level guests are are very possible this week. I just got to firm things up tomorrow to see if that's going to happen. Uh, so make sure you're around for that. That will air Thursday as normal. Again, apologies in advance that the show didn't happen last week. Um, other than that, I'm just gonna, you know, there's gonna be a draft primer article that I'm be putting up tomorrow. They to kind of give everyone ideas to kind of what's going on with the draft. Uh, it's it's creeping up on us. You know, it's going to be a little over a month away now and the Braves have two first round picks and it's going to be a big deal as to kind of how that goes 
considering where we expect the Braves to be drafting going forward and combined with the international free agents say, uh, sanctions, you kind of need to make sure that these two picks are good ones. So uh, we're doing a lot of work on the ba- uh, in the background on the draft, uh, and we're going to kind of start some of that uh, tomorrow where we kind of give an idea as to kind of, you know, what the bonus pool looks like and all that jazz. Um, beyond that, just, you know, minor league recaps are up and rolling and, you know, there's a lot of good things happening in the minors. Uh, even though someone uh, decided to comment on the minor league recap today that there's no such thing as a starting pitching prospect and the Braves have a terrible farm system, which made me laugh out loud a lot. Um, but, you know, we're doing a lot of coverage. The minor leagues are really fun right now. They have, there's both position prospects and pitching prospects that are doing some really cool things, including some names we weren't expecting. So, uh, you know, just make sure you're reading all that stuff and uh, make sure you, you know, I, I t- occasionally tweets nice things to Brad for me as well. I like trolling Brad, but honestly, you know, he puts in a ton of work for, for us getting the podcast every week and, you know, making sure things are going well on that end. And, you know, you guys should be nicer to him. No, absolutely not. That would not be fun. <laughs> anyway, so uh, listen, uh, I, 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 I welcome I welcome all the all the challengers. No. Uh, we have fun. And uh, please subscribe to this podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast because you get this one and Road to Atlanta in the same exact place. So go ahead and do that. Leave five-star feedback. I really, really appreciate all of that. Thank you, Eric, for joining me as often. And I'll do it again very soon. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.